Well, hi there. My name is James Knapp. I am your host, I guess you want to call it. We are continuing our walk through the, the book of Ephesians. It's a, it's a great letter about a great God. Last week, we looked at salvation and eternity past, how the how the Trinity in action, uh, you know, the Father, namely the Father, chose who to be saved and why he did that. Today, we're looking at how it is purchased, that is, through Christ. Our text is Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. I call this a Christ-centered redemption. Before we begin, let me have you ever bought an expensive gift or received an expensive gift? You know, um, and my question is, is it, was it worth it? Was it worth it for you? Was it worth it for them? Most times, if you're paying for something really expensive, then yeah, it usually is. But there are some times where it's like, well, no, it's not. <laughs> but today, we're going to look at the most greatest gift of all. That is being re- redeemed, excuse me, the, the blood of Christ. So let's see if, if we read, read Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. Again, I'm, I'm using the Legacy, Legacy Standard Bible. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions, according to the riches of his grace, which he caused to abound to us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in him. For an administration of the fullness of the times, that is a summing up of all things in Christ, things in heavens and things on the earth in him. So, we got a lot to, to go through. So sit back, relax, grab something to drink. But open your Bibles and let's, let's dig in. So I, I got six points about redemption. But we'll talk about redemption in a little bit. We were redeemed by six things. All God center, of course. First and foremost, number one, we were redeemed by Christ. We see that in Him. That's Christ. Only He can pay the price. You know... We are born sinners because of Adam. And I'll talk about that, on, you know, because of Adam. When he and he and, and uh, Eve, you know, listened to the devil, what happened? They they died. Not physically, but spiritually. And, we, and because of him, all of mankind became, was dead. But this was the plan all along. God knew what would happen. And that bothers, I know that kind of bothers your mind. Like, why would God let, let this happen? Why would he, say, why can't he just send a, an, an angel or or himself to stay be there? Well, because we have to understand, before we see the glory of, uh, understand the, and, and understand and appreciate the glory and salvation of the Lord, we have to understand that, hey, we need something to be saved from. You know, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift is, 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 is God and eternal life, Christ Jesus. And that is the greatest gift we can ever have. We, um, we just, I think we take that for granted sometimes. Or we, that, or we, we don't under, truly understand what salvation is, what redemption is. And, like, and I mentioned about Adam, because he's the first Adam. But the second Adam, in Romans 5, 14, says that, you know, all, for death came through one man, but life comes through another. And I think we just kind of, like, oh, oh well, who cares? Well, no, we, we should be, 
we should be more than that. We have the forgiveness of our sins. The, the, the We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions. We have grace now. We have mercy, justice, and we have peace. The peace of God which will crush the head of Satan, which Romans 16 talks about. And believe that we have redemptions. Well, what is redemption? Redemption is to pay a price in order to secure the release of something or someone. We were bought, you know, we and those who are his are his. Nothing and no one will ever snatch us away from the Father's hand. You know, Corinthians says that our bodies are his now. And let me just kind of say this real quick. Um, if you're listening today or yesterday, uh, by the time this recording came out, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Which, as we as believers, pro or even just pro humanity, pro life humanity, should rejoice for, and we should. But now, there's no more excuses for us not to take care of of, of, the, of the kids. You know, there should be we should be out there more and more helping the the single moms or single fathers in this case, and we should be helping those kids. You know, and uh, and. And like I said, I'm real happy. I thank the Lord that that was overturned. I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that, but if you are, if you call yourself a follower of Christ and you believe in the errant word of Scripture, you have to be pro-life, even just as a general human being. We have to celebrate life. So, um. That sorry, I, I, you know, I got off a little tangent there, but I think it's we need to be said. We as believers need to speak up for what's truth. Christ alone paid for us. You know, <laughs> I think of that song. What you know, you know, not animals or us. It's like Corinthians five twenty one. You know, for he who knew he became, he who knew no sin. Became sin. Now, what does that mean? In the first one, it does not mean that he literally turned into sin. He's God. God cannot sin. But what that does mean is that was that God imputed or put on all the sins of His people onto Christ by the cross, and therefore, and because Christ lived perfectly under the law, he was counted as righteous toward God. And so therefore now, God imputes Christ's righteousness onto us. That's called the great exchange. Like I said, 2 Corinthians 5.21, I just want to read it real quick because it's, it's, it's a powerful passage. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. It's not just a catchy Chris Tomlin song. That is theology, daxology. That is that is why we can live, because of Christ. You know, at 1 Peter 2, it says about how he uh, hung on a tree for us. He bore our sins. That's what we call the substance. Substitutionary atonement. Basically, is that he Christ died in our place. 
you know, and that is so important that we don't have to pay for it. Christ did. That was the free gift that he, Paul will later on, you know, that, that Paul in Romans 6.23 talks about. That Christ, as fully God and fully man, or truly God, truly man, died in our place. And what's sad is there's some theologians out there who don't believe that. Well, I don't know how you could. That's I've seen throughout the New Testament, from the Gospels to the, to the epistles, to the letters, you know, to all the way. And I just don't wrap my head around it. But we should be thankful that, you know, because what we talked about last week, you know, that it was according to the good pleasure of his will. This was part of God's plan. This was part of the covenant of redemption. Remember, the, the covenant of redemption is that the Trinity said we're going to make human beings. We're going to save them. Not all of them. We're going to save them. And Christ's death and resurrection, because people forget about the resurrection, sealed that promise for us. So how do he redeem us? Redeem us. Well, through his blood. You know, I think of the of the, of the psalm with old hymn. Well, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1.14 You know, we were who has given us a pleasure of our inheritance unto the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Guys, we are his. Because that's what redemption means. Literally, it means to buy out. It's like God went to a market and he picked out all those who would be his. You know, um, and basically, and, 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 we, and then we read the story of Matthew 9 where it says, where Jesus is talking to the uh, Pharisees and, he's, and, he's, and he says something really interesting. Matthew 9, verse 13. Oops, I'm on 8, sorry. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not call to call the righteous, but sinners. Because we got to think of, first of all, during, one, during that time, there was no righteous people. We're all, we're all sinners. We're born into sin. We are totally depraved. And he, but, and he, you know, because he's talking to the Pharisees who says, well, they're sinners. And the Pharisees thought they were righteous. But Jesus just said, you are not righteous by any means. And he'll later talk, talk he'll later talk to the rich one, Euler, saying, when he says, good teacher, what must I do? That's like, that's such a humanistic, hey, what must I do to, to inherit salvation? And Jesus says, all right, go sell your possessions, follow me. And of course, he, he doesn't. But he's quoting Hosea 6. We don't have to sacrifice any more animals anymore. Christ, the the Lamb of God, took care of that. You know, and we first see this instituted back in Genesis 22, where God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. And what happened? God, and he was about to, because God was testing his faith. So, when he was about to do it, an angel said, whoa, stop, stop. Look over there. And a lamb was provided. Abraham foreshadowed it, then in Leviticus, it, he got up uh, temporarily, because remember, in the time, in the time of past, and during the time of this, 
they had two lambs. One to slaughter to take the sins, to take to die for our sins, and one to be set free because all the sins were sent were sent away. So that was, but that was just temporary. That God, God knew that was that. Yeah, that because you know God and I think that even the people knew that. Um. You know, hey, no, this can't last forever. So what what did God do? He sent the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. Christ fulfilled it. And by that, we can be praised. So one, we were redeemed by Christ. Two, we were redeemed by forgiveness. The forgiveness of our transgressions. We owed a debt to God. Because... God has a standard. And he um and we, we fail to mess that standard because sin. Sin makes us stupid, as uh, as Steve Lawson says. But what happens is now is that Christ took care of that. You see, many other religions will say, hey. This is, what you, this is what you can do to appease for forgiveness by the gods. You can say this prayer, do this do this many works, go down, take a certain bath, and you might be saved. Christ said, hey, I'll take care of it. Salvation is 100% God. It's not 50-50, it's not 70-25, it's 100% God. We are saved by God, we are saved for God, we are saved from God. And, I'll talk, and we'll talk about that. Another time, but you know, and I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. It's a quote I think we've all heard. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable, because God forgave the inexcusable in you. And I think you have Ephesians four thirty two in that mind. But there should be two types of forgiveness. There's horizontal forgiveness, that's between human and human, and there's vertical between God and us. So, why now, because God forgives, we should too. You know, as long as I say, hey, God forgives, I don't. Well, no, we need to forgive. Because if God forgives what we did to his son by killing him, then I think there's all types of forgiveness. You know, I think of, you know, because Matthew 6 says, you know, forgive us our transgressions. You know, as part of the Lord's Prayer, I just want to turn to it. I usually have all this written down, but I kind of forgot it last second. But forgive us our debts, so we, and forgive us our debts, and also we have forgiven our debtors. Guys, if you don't, if you call yourself a Christian, but you do not forgive people, I dare say you are not a true Christian, a true follower of Christ. And Psalm 103 says, hey, it basically says, hey, God takes away. Because of God's forgiveness, he takes away all of our sins, far from the east and to the west. doesn't matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, you can be forgiven. But there's a warning, though. Not all sins will be forgiven. In Mark 3, Jesus talks about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And 1 John 5, 16 says there's a sin that leads to death, but I shall not name him. And basically, is basically saying, don't attribute the works of God to the devil. The unforgivable sin is this. 
to live a life of your own pleasure and not follow him at all. Basically, and this is not to basically to blasphemy his name. Every day you don't that you are not a believer, that if you don't hear the Holy Spirit's call and believe this gift that Christ has given to you, um, you are blaspheming the God. And he may say, well, I'm going to base on my good works. Or I'm, a, or I'm a good person. Or I did this. I did this. So I should get to heaven. Well, no. Jesus and now John says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So, let me, let me say, yes. It doesn't matter if you had an abortion. It doesn't matter if you were living a homosexual lifestyle. It doesn't matter if you are an adulterer. It doesn't matter if you're drunk. It doesn't matter if you're greedy. All those sins can be forgiven. So that's we are redeemed by forgiveness. Three, we are redeemed by grace. According to the riches of his grace. So we are rich. Just joking. We're spiritually rich, not physically. Like, I don't know, some of you may be physically rich. But if you are, God bless you. But we are rich in God's grace. I said this last week, is that it, God grace comes from God alone. Um... We don't want, yeah. It's grace that we receive grace. We've seen it throughout the Bible, even Old Testament. Some people say Old Testament's law, New Testament's grace and love. But no, it's because grace and love is seen in the law too, because it shows us we are sinners and it shows us how we can be saved. And that led up, it was a shadow, it was a tutor to Christ. You know, I think of I think of providence. It's God's benefit and wise superintendence of His creation. You know, basically saying that God is in control of everything. The rain rains on the just and unjust. If there's no grace, there's no salvation. We uh, I think take grace for for grace. We take grace. For for granted, and um, and listen, I know I do. I know you probably do too. It's God's grace that we wake up every day. It's God's grace that we have. Like if I'm just thinking of here in America, you know that we have homes, we have, we have a, we have a homes, we have anything, but because we may have others other people who are who are uh, that are that are suffering they're being persecuted for real they're being killed and imprisoned so I think um, we take that for granted and there's no grace there's no salvation you know it's because and I, I know people might disagree with that but that's just why I see the scripture so, where does grace come from? Well, it comes from God. Don't believe me? Well, turn to Psalm 84, verse 11. For Yahweh, God, is a sun and a shield. Yahweh gives grace and glory. 
No good thing he does. He, he do, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk blamelessly. So, if we are, we are, we are to be, be Christ-like. That's what Christ commands us to. And, um, and therefore, we need to show grace. I know it's hard for some of us because some of us have probably been wrong our lives or we've had a rough childhood. You know, um, that's an old saying. I, I don't like it, but, you know, I can't remember, but it was like, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. My thing is, just, hey, just preach the gospel. And let everything, and let, let your actions speak louder than your words sometimes does apply. We can't say, yeah, I forgive you, I have, yeah, I'll give you grace, but unless we show it, that means nothing. There's a quote by John Piper I love, and I listened to one of his sermons, was how does one know when we receive grace? When we realize we need grace. We need grace every day from God and from people. And there are people in my life I've taken advantage of with their grace. Uh, and if you're listening, I am sorry. I need to be more graceful than that. Point four. We are redeemed by wisdom, which he calls to abound to us in all wisdom and insight. God is omniscient. He's fully known himself in all things actual and possible in one single eternal act. Psalm 139 tells us that. Basically, he knows everything. He's He knows beginning to end and everything in between. He has set a path for us individually. Some are better than others. Some are worse than others. Some is just right in the middle. But it's not fate. It's not karma. It's not the universe. It's God. You know, God isn't, isn't surprised any, by anything. This, you know, because he's omniscient, it, this is called his incommunicable attributes. Basically, we, it's an attribute that we cannot know. You know, we don't know what the, we don't we don't know what the future knows. We don't even know what the what in five minutes is going to happen. But God does. He knows when you go, when you're going to be born, who your parents are going to be, who your friends are going to be, where you're, you're going to go to school. He knows your time of death, but he knows them for your time of salvation. You know, and then some of us are smart. There's some, I know some really smart people here I'm, in my life. And I'll be honest with you, I get intimidated by them. Because especially when I'm preaching the word before, because I'm always saying, well, well, what if I don't preach the word? Correctly, or what if I say this is wrong, all that? But no, we shouldn't worry because we have a new mind. And First Peter two tells us that. In fact, we have the mind of Christ. First Corinthians two sixteen. Now, there's another thing saying that I kind of dread. It's a. Uh, it's um. Yeah, just have blind faith. And I think people take. I think people use Second Corinthians five eight. On that, you know, you know, for our seventh mother, we walk by faith, not by sight. People will say, Well, I have sight by faith. No, we need to know why we're saved or how we're saved, and all that. We need to know who saved us. We need to study 
theology. We need to study church history. We need to study apologetics. And we need to study the Bible. And if that means you have to go to seminary, go, go to seminary. If that means you just have to take your Bible out in the woods and just all and just have an intense meeting with yourself, that's fine. If it means you have to meet your pastor every single week to ask him questions, so be it. You know, the only content we are supposed, the only non-content in our lives are supposed to be is our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that firstly through the Bible. But God's faulty is smarter and greater than man's wisdom. You know, I, I, a couple weeks ago in my Bible doctrine class, um, we talked about how there are so many smart people throughout the history who have denied God, who denied the existence of God. Recently, I thought, I thought of Christopher Hitchens. He's a brilliant man, but he was an atheist, a hardcore atheist. And he just did not see. But we, what we talked about in Chemical Illusion is that sometimes they have to to be more on the defensive side because we as Christians know God's real from his from his book and maybe I hate using this term but maybe some experience too not saying that you know that you saw God in a napkin or whatever but maybe because you know somebody reached out to you when you're time to help but the biggest thing we know God real is from our Bibles. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to pierce the souls of man. What creature can hide from its sight? He knows our secrets, Romans 2.16, and we can't hide from God. On you know, Paul talking to the Romans says, uh, you know, according to my gospel, God would judge the secrets of man. And in Luke, he says, um, you know, that what you do in the dark will be shown in the light. So there may be a secret sin you're trying to hide, or a secret you're trying to hide. Maybe you can hide, you can hide from your spouse, your friend, your pastor, your parents, whoever. But God already knows that, what that secret is. Do you want it revealed now or later? Because God will reveal it. There's a verse in Peter that says, Love covers a multitude of sins. And it does. It really does. But at the same time, I believe love, will, if it's true love, it, it has to be exposed. Redeemed by wisdom. Five. Redeemed by purpose. He made known to us the mystery of his will. The Trinity revealed it to each other. The Father revealed it to the Son, Son of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Uh, they revealed it to each other and then to us. The Father revealed it to Christ when he was on earth. And then when the Holy Spirit came down, he revealed it to the disciples, and the disciples revealed it to us through his word. Uh, Deuteronomy 29 9 talks about the secrets, the secret things of God, the secret will of God. And I guess, you know, the secret things belong to Yahweh our God, but the things that were revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may do all the words of the law. I talk about, you know, I talked about the will of God multiple times. I think one, and something we we can know through His Word. Like I said, it's not like oh, you read every third letter of John. You, you know you're married, but you have to live 
Genesis 1-1, Revelation 22-21, that that's God's word. That's living and it's active. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German uh, pastor, theologian, who lived during World War II Nazi, says this, Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. We know God's will by serving others. We know God's will by reading, by praying. We know God's will by loving and showing forgiveness and grace to others. And when you're doing all that, you're seeking wise counsel, you live in the Spirit. Do whatever you want. Whatever in word and deed, do for the glory of God. According to his good pleasure, which he promised before him, purposed in him. This is back to a election. It's not random, but it's with a purpose. The father didn't say, go, he, me, money, mo, or cast lots, or he handpicked you as a believer. He knew when you'll be saved, how you'll be saved, where you'll be saved. He knows everything about you. And an unbeliever, if you're listening to this, he knows about you too. He doesn't forget about you. But trust me, you need to know him. Because when you stand before him on judgment day, you're either going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, or you will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Everything is for the purpose and glory of God. Uh, Psalm 19, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. Proverbs, you know, I think... You know, and that's that's a good uh, verse for general revelation. But there's another verse here in Proverbs sixteen four, which I never I never saw, but I love it. Yahweh has made everything for His own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. So there's Paul talks about vessels of wrath, vessels of grace. You are who you are because God made you who you are. It's his pleasure. There's no deceitful. I think of the old gods like Egyptian, Norse, uh, Olympian, and all that. But I think what happens is, you know, they, is that they deceive their people a lot. They were, they were deceivers. <laughs> and I have, I have a theory. This is just I'm just kind of going off topic right now, but I want you to wrap it. I believe that. If you, the ancient gods or demons, I don't have a verse or a theory to prove that. I just, that's what I think it is because demons' goal are to get you away from the one true living God. And if you follow other gods, you're following something else. But God is unmutable, it means He's unchanging. Malachi 3 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13, for Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or one of my favorite theologians that I've been reading this is Her Herman Bavik. He says this in his, his reformed dogmatics. If God were not immutable, he wouldn't be God. That's so true. Because people say, well, Old Testament is hateful God. New Testament is loving God. No. It's the same God. He does not change. And he, I don't think he uses different methods to, to say it. It's, it's, hey, preach Christ alone. From Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Christ. So yes, what's your true purpose? Rick Warren, if you're listening, is not to find yourself, it's not to train a million pastors, even though that the hell is by the doubt you train a million pastors, but it's to love and serve God. 
and volume point at so five. We are redeemed by purpose. Let me just roll one more thing. You have a purpose. Love and serve God. Be obedient to him. At six, we are redeemed by the fullness of time. For administration of the fullness of times. God's time is always perfect. I know I know it's cliched, but we all say, Well, trust God's timing. Yes, we have to. That is so true. If you're not trusting God's timing, then what else are you failing to trust God in? You know, there's a verse, and I want to say it's Isaiah, which says, The Lord looks for a thousand years as one day, and one day is a thousand years. It <laughs> shows God's eternity. He is outside of time. And we, and yeah, but there's a verse in Galatians 4 where it talks about the fullness of time came when God sent forth the Son, born from one, born under the law. That's how Christ's righteousness is important, and that's why it's imputed to us, because he lived perfectly to us. So that, that is the summing up of all things in Christ. There's a unity for God. Psalm 133.1 says, you know, um, how lovely is it when brothers dwell in unity? We should be unified for God, not just be unified for unified sakes. I remember when I was in college at Mayus Bible College, I was talking. We were talking about where it's on methods and, and all this, and I, my big thing was unity. Oh, we need to have unity, but now it's like, man, I don't know if I can be unified with some 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 Christians. Everything starts with Christ. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Things. And on heavens and things on earth. This is back to verse 3. You know what it says. Uh, the spiritual blessings in the places of Christ. Because one day we will be with Christ forever. That is the ultimate goal. That is why we suffer. And that is why we stay faithful to him. We, we know we are not faithful to him. He is semper fidelis. Always faithful. Philippians 2 talks about all will bow to Christ. Everything on heaven, under the earth, above the earth, everything will bow down to Christ. Everyone will bow down. Question, are you going to bow down as a, as a child of Christ, or are you going to bow down as an enemy of Christ? As uh, the great theologian Arnold Schwarzenegger said in Terminator 3, Judgment Day is inevitable. It is coming fast, my friends. Whether we go to him or he comes to us, it's coming. So who started you on? God or man? So we were deemed by the fullness of time. Guys, listen. I hope, I hope today you understand that you are redeemed. You are loved. You are chosen. And I honestly hope so that you understand that God knows who you are because he made you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for the listeners who are listening right now. I pray that you are working in their life. Lord, I pray that you just be with us the rest of the week. Pray for me and my church. We go to church camp and pray that the youth there, at least one would just get it. That who they know who you are. I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. So our next time we're going to look, we're going to Ephesians 
1, 11 through 12. I'm James Knapp. It's truth for you.